Happy New Year, Sarah. Happy New Year, Jen. It's the first of the year. It is. It and, is. Um, I'll tell you. So there's I there's there are all these like now, of course, everything is influenced, including January 1st. I feel like especially January 1st. Have you seen like all these people who are like out? In 23, in in 24, or whatever. So I am pretty bad and don't really Listen, like video, I've great decided. Job. <laughs> great job. You're, it's really better for your brain, I think. But I'm immune to, like, whatever's happening on TikTok unless you send it to me directly. I know that makes—I mean, I promise not to start any—here's my New Year's resolution, Sarah. Not oh to boy. start any more episodes making me sound like I'm 97 years old. But I don't like the TikTok. Damn Resolutions it. are for the birds, and this is proof. Damn it. that's going to last not even one episode of this podcast. It, it didn't Sorry. last a minute. <laughs> exactly. So, okay. But, so there are all these people who talk about, like, what they do, right? Oh, and for, like, New Year's, yeah. like, do a full clean, or they, like, whatever they do on the first of the year. Um, and one of the things that you that you often see in fact you see in fact Zoraida Cordova talks about this on her Instagram account almost every first of the year mm. that she like tries to do the thing on the first of the year that she wants to do like the rest of the year over yeah. the year right like it's so it's not a resolution but it's like a right a Pre- setting of intention as- like clarity of intention right start as you mean to go on right and while I know better than to even pretend that I am that together, um, what I will say is that I would like to start this year, as I mean to go on, in terms of talking to you as regularly as possible about romance novels. I agree. You're however many. Let's just keep doing it. I'm very happy to be recording today on the first of the year. Uh, happy New Year, everyone. Welcome to Faded Mates, a romance novel podcast. If your we hope your resolution involves listening to us talk. <laughs> yes. I'm Sarah McLean. I read romance novels and I write them. And I'm Jennifer Prokop, a romance reader and editor. And it's yeah, New Year's. I don't really do a lot of special things on New Year's. I did try to like kick it back today and do a puzzle and not not be too online. There's an intention I need to keep for this year. That is. That is. I did. What did I do? I swept my front stoop. I blew cinnamon through the door, which is like an old wives tale. Okay. Um, to manifest like abundance and luck. I wonder if it was really snowy. If you swept, if you shoveled your front step, it would do the same. (laughs) Do the same. Um, and I helped my daughter clean out her closet, which was actually not like a January 1st thing, but more a you are 10 and you no longer fit into any of this stuff. Sure, any of your, yeah, right. Like whatever still fits her now will not by the summer, that's for sure. Exactly. I mean, she's grown like three inches in the last month, so it's fine. All her pants, I I actually bought her a bunch of leg warmers because I was like, listen, your pants fit fine in the waist. It is not my fault if they are now high weighters. Exactly. Here is, uh, enjoy these these uh, leg warmers. So, you know, thank God the yeah. 80s are back. Uh, <laughs> anyway, yeah. So I feel like the one thing, but you have really inspired me this year. I know that you are, because you are, you've decided to track again. I have decided to track again. Yes. Um, did we talk about this on the podcast or on the other? I think on Banter Plus is my guess, which no one's heard yet but us. <laughs> if you're not a member of the Patreon, uh, those people who are members of the Patreon get a full fifth or, you know, next episode, additional episode of the podcast every month. And that podcast is, like, almost entirely banter. And yeah. I know some of you are like, well, you should have to pay me <laughs> for me to listen to you idiots do this. Um, it's a good time, but, everybody. Trust um, me. They, they seem to enjoy it. Um, and if you think you would enjoy it, please join us over there at the Patreon. Um, but... What we so yeah, you were talking about how you you are book tracking again. And so it's funny because I'm sure you like me know someone who like there's a woman in my book club that has like a notebook she's been writing in since like 1987. You know what I mean? And I think that I never did that. Like as a kid, really, I never like kept track. And yeah. then a couple years ago I did like on just a Google spreadsheet. Uh Goodreads can be a little Well, we know it's complicated for everybody, I guess, maybe. Yeah. Well, because, I mean, to your point about tracking, 
I think the reason why I never did track, I think it's twofold, actually, because I think the first reason why is because uh, when I was young, I read real fast, and I remembered all the books I read. I mean, (laughs) as you you can imagine, everyone, (laughs) I became something of an encyclopedia of all of the romance novels I'd ever read. Right. And so it didn't, I didn't need a book. I knew what I was doing. Right. Um, But then by the time Goodreads became like a thing, Mm -hmm. I was already an author. Yeah. And, um, you know, Your mileage may vary, authors out there, but I don't fuck with Goodreads. Yeah, like I don't, I don't review. I think I have reviewed maybe a hundred books on Goodreads. Um, They are almost entirely five star, I would think, unless they're classics and the author is long dead. Right. Um, I just don't mess with. Well, yeah, and I mean, I think there's a way in which, like, I anyway. Here's. My story is that, like, I went – I'm going to go back to, like, a, a private spreadsheet. I just keep on my phone. Yeah. And part of it is because, I mean, a lot of people – there's lots of different ones you can download out there. I downloaded a few, and they were just all, like, way too intense for me, and I decided to just kind of make my own version. Mm-hmm. And I did it for a couple of years, and then I stopped, and I couldn't remember why. And Kelly was like, the pandemic. And I was like, mm. oh, yeah, you're right. Like, <laughs> whoops. The pandemic yeah. messed everything up for and, everyone. And and But it is nice to just kind of be like, what did I read? What did I do? DNF, when did I, you know, when did I, when did I DNF that or whatever? Mm. Or I mean, or, you know, like, oh, I'm reading it again. And I feel like, I don't know, Goodreads, sometimes it's, I can't really, I don't, it's just too fraught now, right? You know what I mean? Like, it's just complicated in ways. And I just am like, you know what, I want to be honest. And sometimes the easiest person to be honest with is yourself, right? Like, yeah. like you know what I mean? Like, perfectly good book, I couldn't stand it or whatever. And so that's the part that I think, I also think it's interesting. The one other thing I will say is an advantage of tracking is if you are having some kind of like goal for yourself, right? I want to read more male male romances by men. The only way you're going to know if you are keeping track of that, it, it, you're meeting that goal, is by tracking that goal. Because yep. you will overestimate. <laughs> you know, You'll, yeah. you just will. It's true, and so I think. Um, while I don't really believe in, I do like the idea of January 1st, but I don't like do resolutions at all. Um, you really did inspire me because I, one of the thing that I've sort of resolved to do this year, or at least like I'm setting the intention of doing this year is um, really minding, being mindful of the things that give me that that I enjoy, like yeah. that get, that make me content. Yeah. And, um, and what I mean by that is that Sometimes I'm sure everybody listening can in some way relate to this, but like there is this sort of very, a a real sense. And I think a sense that kind of comes with all of the stuff at the end of the year, always that um, when you have, when you have an experience or you do something or you experience something or you watch something or read something and you have just like pure joy from that, often there is a kind of niggling sort of whisper in the back of your mind that you could have been doing something else, right? Especially in this, like, world of hustle culture, right? Um, Where, like, oh, well, I really enjoyed reading that book, except it took, like, I could have been doing something more productive during that time. Yeah. And, um, And for me, that's what I'm trying to lead lead with in this kind of new year. And I think this is about where I am in my life. I think it's about where the world is. Like, it's very difficult to, mm-hmm. you know, honor the things that make you content. And yeah. so, you know, I took a walk yesterday with my daughter and she was being really goofy. And at the end, I was like, I really had a, I had a good time on this yeah. walk. Like, we had fun. And yeah. I, you know, thank you. Right. So you said that to me that you were going to start tracking again. And I was like, well, I'm not going to do it on Goodreads. Like, I'm not going to do it you know, wherever. No. And then, you know, somebody I was talking to said, oh, well, maybe you should do it on BookBub because, yeah, you know, BookBub sends emails to readers, like whenever an author they love right. loves a book. And I was like, that just also, then that, that makes worked. it work, yeah. right? right? So I went on Etsy, Jen, mm. and I found this like really, hopefully lovely, I haven't seen it yet, but I bought this like hardbound cute fo- gold foiled like reading journal and i was like i'm going to try doing this and i don't know it'll probably last 10 books and then i'll be i won't do it anymore but i am going to 
I'm going to try. Well, or even just like writing down. I mean, I think writing down, even if you just pick, you know, like, okay, I'm only going to try and do a couple books a month. I'm not going to try and track everything. But yeah, like maybe somebody I somebody I follow somewhere is like, I only do the like top two a month and the bottom two. Yeah, I was going to say, right, like do, that's how I would approach it too, right? Like, what do you love? What do you not love? Because sometimes it's interesting to like recalibrate that stuff, right? But I did... Finish a book on yesterday, on December 31st, that I really loved. And I'm going to talk about it today. Well, so, yeah, like, let's talk about... <laughs> let's get into it. Because, oh, and it, and it's... We picked this... We picked this because... Yeah, for this New very Year's. reason, right? Like, right? It's to, Resolutions. Even if you're not resol- resolving, right? It's, it's beginnings. It's a, it's a beginning. It's a time a lot of people are contemplative. Although, meanwhile, it was really funny. Everyone knows you guys' little romance is home, and I'm so happy. But it was Saturday, and he was sort of like, I don't know, it was like maybe one or two in the afternoon. He's like, wait, tomorrow is New Year's Eve? And I said, Yeah. And he's like, God, I've been contemplative all day for no reason. (laughs) (laughs) All that extra brain power for no reason. No funny. (laughs) But I mean, I do think that's, it's normal. And even for me, you know, I'm a teacher. So really, like I, the new year for me often is more about the school year. But it's a time to really just think, like, I don't know. Like, it's yes, it's artificial. But if we all agree together that it can be meaningful, then it is. It's just a time to, like, hit that reset button, right? Yeah. I had an old um, text thread with some authors who I'm still in touch with on all different threads. But, like, I'm not. We're not all in one thread. And it was started at the very beginning of the pandemic when, um, you know, we were all just trying to figure, we were trying to just like control something. Right. In those, I don't know yes. if you remember. I remember. But, and so um, I, we started a thread because we all like were working on setting and achieving like very measurable goals. Yeah. Like, you know, it was really one of those things where you could only see six feet in front of you. And so you, like, you just needed to walk those six feet and then figure out like, what came next. And we were all really like helping each other get ourselves there. And I resurrected that thread this morning and I was like, hey, is anybody into like maybe starting this again this year? <laughs> I don't know. I'm just really feeling, and I mean, part of it is because I'm really trying to like close the door hard on 23 and get some work done before the end of 24, which we won't talk about right now, but everybody knows mm-hmm. that like we're obviously going to be ramping up here on that. And so we, um, you know, there's just a lot. There's a lot going on. Oh, so yeah, new beginnings. Yeah, so we, we, we fresh starts. New beginnings was the idea that we had for this. And, you know, it's funny because I was thinking, like, obviously almost every romance is essentially about a fresh new start, right? Mm. Like, at some level. Mm-hmm. But I think there are, like, different, like, kind of subtropes that speak to each of us, like, in this big idea. We don't mm-hmm. just, I mean, we could literally probably talk about any romance in the world right now because that's kind of how it works. Even if it's a second-chance romance, it's a fresh start with that person. So, but I do think, like, there are certain tropes where we really mean, like, someone is saying, I want my life to be different, right? And then... Yep pursuing some kind of, you know, like them taking some sort of action to make them life, their life different, as opposed to just like meeting this guy at a bar or whatever. Right. And so, well, yeah, as you said, every book is about something fresh and new. Every romance is about something fresh and new. Um, But I'm really interested in heroines in particular. Yeah. Who are... In many ways, I mean, Jen, you always say, like, I love a heroine whose back is against the wall, and I yeah. agree. But, like, I'm looking for somebody who is, like, in a situation and making the the authentic, actionable choice yeah. to start fresh. Yeah. Yeah, to, me like, too. explicitly do something that is either out of character or that is, like, driving them in a different direction. I will also accept for these discussions characters who are forced into a new, like, fish-out-of-water situation. This week's episode is sponsored by 1001 Dark Nights, publisher of Donna Grant's Dragon Kiss. And across Fate of Mates land, people are sitting up. Sure. Here we go. Dragon romanticy girlies. Dragon Kiss is a novella in the Dragon King series, and it's one of the 1001 Dark Nights uh, kind of novellas, which I find to be 
hugely satisfying reads. They often are revisiting characters or are novellas in part of a larger world, and that is the case here. We get Dragon Kiss picks up right where Dragon Arisen leaves off. Alistair and Lottie are now facing a huge foe. Even though they have been, you know, they've they found love, she has discovered her true power, has embraced kind of what it means to be a star person, knows and understands like all of the magic that she kind of has coursing through her. Um, and I love a powerful heroine. It's amazing, right? And Alistair has faced many enemies, like, but nothing could prepare them for the fact that now their enemy is her family. <gasps> My favorite. Her family is his enemy? Stop it. Kingdom of Dreams vibes. <laughs> exactly. So is it going to be that they can like stand together to defeat this enemy? Or is this going to challenge the very existence of all dragons? I mean, the stakes could not be higher. Yeah, but I think these two crazy kids are going to figure it out. So uh, you can watch them do it. Dragon Arisen and Dragon Kiss are both available in print and ebook. Uh, to find out more, visit 1001darknights.com and learn more about Donna Grant and the series. Thanks to 1001 Dark Nights for sponsoring this week's episode. I read a lot of like MF romance, right? I was actually kind of hard pressed to even think of ones where the like the if there's two main characters, you know, there's two main characters, let's say, or whatever, like, but then, like, the man, if it's in a male-female romance where the man is the one starting over, like, it's just kind of, and I, I thought, I was thinking, found myself thinking a lot about that. We talk about it later, but I, I, my immediate thing was to say that, and then also then kind of quick on its heels notice that there aren't a lot of counterexamples that immediately came to mind. I'm sure if I sat down and thought, I came up with a one really important one. Anyway. Yeah. I do think that there are, I can think of MM books where, yes. or I'm sorry, I, I can think of MM books where it happens. And I can think of MF books where the hero is um, like at his wits end, right? Like is has lost everything and must start fresh. Right, right. Like Mickey Chamber shakes it up as an example mm -hmm. of like kind of that, although he is deciding to go back to school. But his whole vibe is not as like, I'm going to make my life different as hers is. Yeah, it's not as intentional. It's the world happens to the hero in those books versus I am looking for books where like the heroine happens to the world, if that makes sense. And I think yes. that's a really good point because it feels like, in much of the MF romance that we read or that is out there, traditionally published at especially, the heroes do happen to the world. I'm sorry, rather, the the, the heroes are already uh, like that's their right. Yeah. That's their job to happen right. in the world, right? Um yeah, I also I don't usually talk about my books, but I do feel like this is this is like I started to think like this was core story for me in a lot of ways. Yeah. <laughs> um, which was a surprise. Like when I was sort of thinking about it, and this is, we've talked about this when we talk about core story in general, like often as a writer, you're just, you can't see it. Like yeah. it's, it's in the fog for you. And readers are like, that's so McLean, but I don't know what that means. Um, but for me, I feel like the starting over vibe is very is very much a piece of what I do. For and I think many, many of your books, I would yeah, say. Well, yeah. I mean, the initial one, the sort of obvious New Year's read, if you're looking for the start over New Year's read, is Brazen and the Beast, which um, where Hattie, the main character of Brazen and the Beast, literally decides on her birthday, um, this is going to be the year of me. Yes. And right. I am going to go out and claim all the things that I want in the world, namely her father's business. She wants to inherit her father's business despite being a woman. Right. Um, but her, the first things first, she has this pesky virginity. <laughs> gotta get rid of that. That she's gotta get rid of as soon as possible and how very lucky that there just happens to be a handsome man tied up in her carriage on that very night what a what, chance <laughs> chance is your friend hattie <laughs> right? and then literally the year of hattie becomes 
a a 12-month excursion for her into, like, becoming the person she has always hoped she might be. I want to talk about wit for a second because the thing about if it's a romance versus just a novel, someone like, you know, wanting to be different in the novel, then the romance, the other person, right? Like the romance itself has to be something that's going to assist them, right? Like, so that partner is going to understand, it's going to be helpful, is going to be supportive, is going to provide some needed aid. And otherwise, why even have Why are they both there? Right, right, right. And so, and I think you're totally right. And in the in the case of Hattie and Witt, there's a business, you know, shenanigans going right. on. Right. Um, but also, but you know, you're a thousand percent right. The very first romance novel I ever wrote, adult romance novel I ever wrote, was Nine Rules to Break When Romancing a Rake, which yes. you know, in which the heroine at the very beginning of the book is makes like, a literal list. <laughs> my life is going to be this like boring, sad, spinstery life. Not that there's anything boring or sad intentionally about being a spinster, but like for her, it was going to be boring and sad. And if this is the case, like if I am not going to marry and I refuse to be on the shelf, so I'm going to make a list of the nine things. I would like to do to ensure that I have excitement and, you know, that I live out loud. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so there, boom, there's the structure of the book. That's the plot of the book. There are nine items. They all get done by the end of the book. But that hero is... (laughs) I thought I said Hattie. Like, it's not even funny. The wrong heroine. (laughs) Yeah. But Callie, like, Ralston is essential to those items like he she cannot do them without him so they make a deal basically and he he's like well okay i but and of course it hinges on his sister's reputation like she's gonna guide his sister into society i mean this is a real classic historical she's gonna guide his sister into society and he's going to help her experience this sort of like new you know brave new world that she's chosen um but he has to do it to make sure that she doesn't get ruined in the process. Spoiler, she totally gets ruined in the process. <laughs> yes, she does. Um, so this is the thing is like, so for me, when I started thinking about this, I was like, oh, wait, it's actually, I'm it. I'm the, I'm the new beginning books. But I do think this is a particularly historical, like historicals really like shine here. Yes, I think so too. Well, I think because the stakes, the, the like, societal stakes, your place in your family or, in like, right, really seem to be, you know, it matters more. <laughs> and so it is, like, there are, there are all these different ways that historicals can cut this pie. Like, I immediately, when, when we sort of started thinking about this, I texted you and I was like, I'm going to talk about The Earl Takes All, which is fondly referred to by this podcast as Gorilla Twins and now everywhere. Although, did you see Lorraine? I did. I did. <laughs> Lorraine eats the Earl Takes All. Somebody referred to it as Gorilla Twins and tagged her on Instagram and she reposted it and was like, every time I see the term Gorilla <laughs> Twins, it makes me laugh. And I was like, listen, this is the greatest, this is my greatest achievement. Put it on my tombstone. That's what I did. That was the greatest <laughs> thing I ever did. Anyway, but the Gorilla Twins book, so The Earl Takes All, begins with the hero at his own funeral, right? Because his brother, his twin brother, has died in a gorilla attack. And <laughs> obviously, <laughs> hence the name. Uh, and he has returned under the guise of his twin brother. So they have, he switched it so that everyone thinks he died. And his twin brother, who is the actual Earl, um, is still alive. Listen, it doesn't make any sense until you're <laughs> reading it. And then it makes perfect romance sense. All romance reasons all the time here. But the point is that he is standing at his funeral. And basically, everyone's like, this guy was an asshole. Like, no one liked him. He was kind of he was obnoxious he was a philanderer he no like there was just he of the two it should have like thank god it was him because at least the good brother survived and he's like oh shit i need to start over like i need i need to rebuild myself 
which I also think is an amnesia trope. Like amnesia is packed in here in a lot of ways. Forget all those things that were me, right? Yeah, I get to start fresh. I get a clean slate. Yeah. Well, and it's what's interesting, and I know like we, I think we mostly want to talk about heroines, but when I think about heroes who are wanting that, it's because of all the shitty things they've done in their past, right? Like Daring and the Duke, right? Or like, oh, yeah. Right? I mean, he is literally like a murderer. Or um, Day of the Duchess. Or Day of the Duchess, a cheater. Or West Ravenel, just like a drunken lout, right? Like, so there's a lot of ways in which when men are trying to forget things, it's because of their own perceived weaknesses or whatever. The one exception I would say, and then I don't really want to talk, I want to talk some more about like women as main characters, is a really interesting counterexample would be Forbidden by Beverly Jenkins, mm-hmm. where at the beginning, the hero essentially who is, who's the son of a slave owner and a slave, right? His mother was raped by his father. Um, he decides to leave the South you know, at the end of the Civil War and pass for white in the West. And it is, like, this is a decision, though, that he grapples with through the entire book. Because then when it comes to Edie, who is, you know, he's she's like, I can't get with this white man. That's not going to happen. And so he has, like, sort of championed equality in the town and done all of these amazing things. But, you know, he still is, like, really has to figure out at the end, like, whether or not to go back to identifying as a black man. And right. so that is an example where it's society's, right, like pressure for him to act or be a certain way in order to be respected. So that's a, it's like, that's a fascinating example, but very different from like Daring and the Duke, right? Where, mm-hmm. or Day of the Duchess. So it is interesting to think about in historicals, often that man is like saying goodbye to his worst self, Right. Yeah. For the la- for at the risk of being heteronormative, right? That's the masculine way of doing this story, right? Like I was terrible before. Right. Now I am going to be better, right? And I think and you, we've talked about this before. I think this is a much more difficult needle to thread for heroines, that particular arc. The one person who I will always and forever say does that perfectly, pretty close to perfectly, is Angelina M. Lopez. Um, Like, After Hours on Milagro Street is about a heroine who was bad, like, is bad news in a lot of ways. Like, and she's deeply hurt, obviously we learn over the course of the book, but she's pretty shitty to her family and returns kind of ruined from Chicago. She had been kind of a superstar uh, bartender and she has no choice but to get out of Chicago. She goes home to Kansas. This is contemporary. Goes home to Kansas where she, you know, is forced to reckon with how she has hurt her family in the past. Um, And through the lens of a hero who has seen the wounds that she's caused but doesn't know her, so isn't so willing to forgive her at the start. Core story has a lot to do with this, and that's why it's impossible not to talk about Susan Elizabeth Phillips. Yeah. Right? Oh, my like, God. And talk about a, an author who is, again, writing writing women who have made mistakes, have hurt people in their lives, or have acted in ways that disappoint others. Um, You know, and then sometimes they feel guilty. Sometimes they feel kind of bold and brassy, like, fuck you about it. Sometimes they're, you know what I mean? Like, so, I mean, and I know that, you know, we've talked about Ain't She Sweet. We've talked about what's the first Chicago Stars one where everyone thinks she's just like a gold digger. It had to be you. Yeah, and she's just like, I'm going to act that way because that's what they think of me. Yeah, she inherits. That's such a great, it's a great beginning. She inherits her father's football team, NFL team, and everyone thinks she, like, is a terrible floozy. Yeah. Yeah. And this is, you know, the 80s, so you can still judge her by that, right? I personally believe Ain't She Sweet is continues to be the greatest unlikable heroine in romance. Like, just the way she threads that, like, and not not unlikable, and I don't mean unlikable in the way people, like, vaguely refer to unlikable. <laughs> I mean, like, Sugarbath, who is the main character of Ain't She Sweet, the heroine of Ain't She Sweet, has done terrible, 
borderline unforgivable things to the hero. It's like, imagine if Mean Girls, like the, what's her name, Regina George from Mean Girls. Imagine if Lothair was a woman. That's all you have to remember. (laughs) This week's episode of Faded Mates is sponsored by Desiree Nicoli, author of Follow Me to the U-Tree. So this sounds really cool. It's a historical fantasy, and the heroine... Erin has traveled alone across Ireland for centuries. I love it. As like a messenger of death. Like she gets visions from death and then has this compulsion to go find people and inform them of their impending doom. And so at the beginning of this book, she is sent to the English countryside to meet Ellen, a fellow Irishman now returning home after fighting in the Napoleonic Wars. And um, when they're together, she gets, she doesn't just get a vision of his death. She gets a vision of them kissing beneath the yew tree. And like falling in love. Wildly in love. uh, And then sees that not only is Ellen going to die, he's going to die literally on the journey home to Ireland. Terrible. So she has one chance to defy death and make sure that their future is happily ever after. And I'm into it. Yeah. Like defying death. Hello. That's yeah. Talk about high stakes. Okay. So this is a book available for pre-order. Its release date is January 30th. It is available in ebook and in print. And if your podcasting app supports it, look down and click on the title right now and it will take you to a link where you can pre-order the book. Thank you to Desiree Nicoli for sponsoring this week's episode. I would say every single Susan Elizabeth Phillips' book starts with a heroine who's like, I have kind of fucked up here and I have to figure out how to make it right, right? I mean, even her most recent one, which of course I'm not going to remember the name of, starts off with a woman who um, has like a, her brother is a famous pro athlete and she uh, has an affair, like a one night stand with his agent at a party. And she had been trying to go to apologize to her brother for, like, meddling with his girlfriend. She kind of was like, I think your girlfriend's a gold digger. And he gets really pissed if she goes to apologize to him and instead, like, fucks his agent. agent. I mean, it's perfect. You know? And I have to look up the title of that Mm -hmm. because it's it's really good. And and, But then I also – the thing that I found so, I don't know, like, really poignant about that book too, though, is that um, what we come to discover is that – She, okay, it's called Simply the Best. And she essentially has been really comparing herself negatively. Her This brother of hers is like her half-brother. Mm-hmm. And so she's just like, I never fit in with my family. And so she pulled away from them. Yeah. And now as an adult, it's like, oh, my stepmom was just young and didn't know what to do with me. And I made it worse. And right. it's really, I think, a, a pretty believable and, like, very, like I said, poignant and sweet, like, kind of her figuring out, like, okay, I've done some things, but also Mm -hmm. I didn't understand some things. I think, like, book for book, you're going to get this arc in a Susan Elizabeth Phillips novel. Absolutely. You know, I also think there's something to this, like, starting over that is about home, too, right? Like, it's about, it's about reconciling with the person who you were to the Susan, to the point you were making about Susan, about this book, like sort of growing into the realization that like what you have been running from isn't necessarily as villainous as you thought. Right. I think about, um, uh, like this is sort of a cornerstone to any of the like classic small town romances where somebody returns home after having like, been in the big city for whatever reason, right? So, like, there's the Victoria Doll one where she goes home to uh, Cunnilingus Gabe. What's the name of that book? <laughs> Turn it talk, up. Like, talk I me know, down. Talk me down. Something um, like that. <laughs> uh, it's, we did a whole episode on it because it was so great. Uh, check show notes, you guys. Um, but so, and the, hero, the heroine returns Be right back. I'm going to Google Cunnilingus Gabe and see what comes up. It's absolutely going to be the first episode, the first thing, because I'm pretty sure it's a. Well, tag Google is bad now, but uh, anyway, so there. I'm thinking about that, but I'm also thinking about like uh, in in a slightly sort of softer sense because Kate doesn't doesn't do like villainous past, right? But Georgie all along is really about starting over, and absolutely. What I love about Georgie all along as a 
concept is it's an unintentional starting over story, right? Like she's coming home because she doesn't know what's next. Right. But Georgie is really at sea. Like she comes home because she's like a professional assistant. Yeah. That's her job. Yeah. And she's very skilled at it. But like she knows this isn't the job she wants forever. She doesn't know what she wants to do next. She doesn't know who she is outside of like second to whomever she's working for. Her best friend is having a baby and says, would you come home and be with me? And so she goes home to this town where, like, she has roots. Like, she loves her family and she has this friend, but, like, she is so, she is so at sea until she meets Levi, literally a dock builder. Are you kidding me? It's just the perfect (laughs) metaphor. And she meets Levi and then, like, finds that starting over It's okay. It's okay for you to go home and start fresh. You can do both. You can have both homecoming and fresh start. And I think part of, like, in that case, starting fresh is, like, kind of, like, who was I back then, right? Mm. Where did I, where did I, like, kind of pull out onto a side road and not become the thing I think I was going to be, right? Right. So, I mean, I think that that's also, like, a really compelling, yeah, like, a really compelling story. Yeah. And also... There is the starting over that comes with, like, the earth-shattering moment, right? The, I walked in on my husband and he was, like, sleeping with another woman or, you know, in Nikki Payne's, I don't want to give too much away about Sex, Lies, and Sensibility, which is uh, Nikki's new book, which is coming out um, in February. I think it's February. And she's, Nikki's going to come on the podcast and we're going to talk about a different piece of a different piece of this book though so i'm going to talk about this but um the main character of this book nora and her sister go to their father's funeral and discover that they are the second family at this like they thought they were his children and they were his only children and in actually they discover like they are the children of his of like a secret family. He they are his secret family. And so but he has left them so they it, this is of course shattering like all of his money everything that he had goes to his primary family but he has left them a kind of run down beach house that they are going to start over in. Like they are, so they go to Maine, these sisters. I mean, this is like a real Nora Roberts tea. Yeah, right? like literally the latter. This is also the plot similarly without the dad. Well, kind of a dad. Different story. Inheritance, inheritance by Nora Roberts. Go to Maine. You inherited yeah. a mansion. Right? So they inherit this place. They're going to set up a, like a bed and breakfast there or like they're going to use this house to like set a business up and restart. And of course, when they get there, there is a hunky man <laughs> who's literally named Bear, <laughs> referred to as Bear. Um, and he is claiming the the home is his, like the property is his. So there is like a back and forth there. Um, and it's super sexy, but like it is sort of this, I have no choice but to start over um, is all is another one of these, you know, great, a great way that these books can really work. You can pre-order um, Sex, Lies, and Sensibility right now from Nikki, by the way. And if you do it, if you go to her, her Instagram account, uh, she's got links, and you get like very, very great fan art that comes. Oh, fun! Mm-hmm. Um, I have a couple where again, it's like sort of that like intentional, like I'm going to change my life one. Um, and the, I one I just read. I mean, I also like in the new, like you guys, I know that we talk about books. You've heard us talk about some of these books over and over again, and I think that's just the way romance is, and you all understand. But I want you to know, like sometimes we read. <laughs> new things. And so I was reading a category romance last week and I have no idea why I was, I I just must have picked it up somewhere because it was an actual physical book. And I was like, really been trying to like read the books in my house, especially in January. Right. Anyway, I'm, I picked up and was completely swept away by this book called The Boss's Stolen Bride by Natalie Anderson. It was a Harlequin Presents. I think it came out last year. And let me tell you what, (laughs) This book was great because it's that classic setup where a woman walks into work and she quits her job. 
And her boss is like, I'm going to lose my mind because, of course, I'm actually in love with her. And what he finds out is that she has essentially quit her job and is going to get married at, like, City Hall. It's England, though, so whatever that is. And he is like, what? (laughs) She's getting married? And he goes to find her. And it turns out that she is trying she's been saving her money for a couple years just like living very frugally because her best friend died and had a baby and she wants to foster this child and the social workers because she's so young and because like you know they like worked in a strip club or whatever have been kind of like there's no way you're going to get this baby unless you're married like you have to like you know there's become like a real more. reason for this marriage yes right mm-hmm. i mean it's a harlequin present so it's a little romance reasons but fine whatever right you fine. have to go you have to present better mm-hmm. if you want to you know kind of foster this child who's now 3 or 4 so her boss is like you know, of course, scares off the groom-to-be who is just a friend of a friend. And, you know, he takes the groom, the groom-to-be and has taken her money. Essentially, is like was like, I'll do this for you for money, but transfer the money before we do it. And takes off. And, of course, the boss is like, well, I will marry you. And I was, you know, great. They no, have to no. fly to Vegas That's to exactly do it. exactly how it goes. Sure, of course. Isn't that how we all got married? <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? I was really swept away. I was like, this, yeah. again, like, a good Harlequin Presents is really going to, like, make you feel sure. the way romance ma- reading should make you feel. Or, Absolutely. like, made, right? And the thing that I, though, was really, really swept up in was... How determined, um, her name's Darcy, how determined Darcy is to, like, really achieve something big and important Mm -hmm. and how scared she is that she won't be able to do it. Because that felt really real to me. You know, like, she was like, I have to try and do this thing, but it's so hard. And even though I've been preparing... There are certain parts of it I just couldn't look straight at. Like, you know, you as a reader are kind of like, wait, how's this going to work? But then you realize, like, she's just been, like, kind of like, I just have to keep moving towards it even. But if I knew every detail, I would have been totally overwhelmed. And so I was really won over by that idea that, like, sometimes we just do the most desperate things, right, to sort of try and achieve, in this case, like, she grew up in foster care, and this was her her best friend was also did. Mm-hmm. And she was just like the idea that her child would be subjected to this the way I was is too right. painful. And I I just thought it was great. And in the way, like I said, it was just felt like really restorative. I was like, I'm just gonna read this great category romance. And it was, and it just really hit all those buttons, but in a way a category does, just like undiluted, right? Just like Mm -hmm. pure shot of adrenaline. It was awesome. Well, this is making me think of like, and this is, this sort of is not, these are not like the most, these are not such serious, like important issues like foster care, but (laughs) it's making, and I hadn't intended to go in this direction, but here we are. Um, I'm, it's making me think of all those like, like hot two out, like 30 minute KU reads, like the Jessica Haynes, where it's like, uh, heroin against the ropes, right? Where it's like, you know, the suddenly you, you know, she's on the run from her abusive father, brother, boss, whatever. She ends up in a cabin in the woods and then like, boom, there's like, it's an instantaneous like new life. I think there is that, you know, this is a different version of the Jessica Kane than we were talking about last week with Mila Finelli. <laughs> but, like, right. the the sort of promise of that premise of, like, you can immediately, like, there will, no matter what happens to you, right, you will be, even if you are forced to leap, the net will appear. And the net will include a handsome, like, undefeatable <laughs> hero who will, like, love you forever. This week's episode of Faded Mates is brought to you by Max Monroe, authors of Cluelessly Yours. So things are not going very well for our heroine, Sammy, in this book. Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh. She got hit by a cab. She fell into a coma. (laughs) I'm sorry I laughed, everyone. Well, when she woke up from her coma, the man she loved is also in a coma and hasn't stirred from his, and worse... There is a pregnant woman at his bedside holding his hand and saying that he is the father 
of her unborn child. Oh, no. It's not great. (laughs) And to add to it, she is a divorced single mom with an absent ex-husband. She is just living like a chaotic, chaotic life. Stepping on Legos all the time. Awful. So, um, but here's the thing. She really, really wants to find love again. And she believes that she can. And what Max Monroe is doing in this book um, is showing us what happens when two roads kind of diverge and you can go one direction with a successful businessman who doesn't hesitate to tell you that he wants you or in the other direction with a bachelor doctor who you have feelings for, but he might actually have like a whole family on the side. What will happen? Um, whatever everybody says that the best way to to tackle cluelessly yours is to go in blind, um, and really just like let Max Monroe take you on a ride. Whatever happens, uh, they will deliver their trademark good humor, their trademark big feelings, and um, you're going to have a very satisfying ending to this. Not really a love triangle. Love triangle. Yeah, so if you love romantic comedies, single moms, and steamy romances, you should check out Cluelessly Yours. It is available in print, um, in audio, which I hear is great because Sebastian York is one of the narrators. Everybody loves him. Yeah, and um, with your monthly subscription to Kindle Unlimited. Thank you to Max Monroe for sponsoring this week's episode. I just read a book. I read a book yesterday, and I... Um, uh, I read Kat Geraldo's, um, Wild Pitch, and it is not a, it is not a forced starting over, but I do think, like, there is a new beginning here to be talked, to talk about. Well, I've started it. She's forced to transfer to this new team or whatever. Yeah, so, right. well, so the premise is the heroine, um, Ramirez is her last name. She's a baseball player. Sierra? Anyway, uh, Sierra, Sierra Mateo. So um, Sierra is a baseball player, a major league baseball player. She is the only woman major league baseball player or baseball player in the major league. She's a pitcher and she is a tremendous pitcher, but she has had, I think, I believe it's called the yips (laughs) for, she came up like she is a rookie. It is her rookie year. She comes up. She is not doing super great. She gets traded to a new team where she is pitching to a catcher who is, like, cut from Susan Elizabeth Phillips' cloth. If Susan Elizabeth Phillips wrote, like, baseball sexy, aging uh-huh. baseball players who are definitely, like, in their last season or two, absolutely are hurt, like, have a yeah, bad right. knee or bum hip or whatever. Or all But, like, it. refuse to admit it and are also just, like, pure domineering on the field. He is the captain of the team. He is definitely, now that I've read it, like, for sure, it feels like— Did you finish it, or are you working on it? I'm working on it. Okay. I probably read the first 25%. Like, but there are definitely parts that make me think, like, that she's definitely seen Bull Durham, and then there are parts (laughs) that definitely make me think that she's watched Roy Kent, right? Like, because there's a whole part where, like— I don't know if you remember in Bull Durham, one of the— the uh, coaches will say, like, you lollygag over here, you lollygag over there. And there's like a whole joke in the book about lollygagging. And she's like, did you really just say that? Which <laughs> reminded me, of course, of Hugh Grant in Notting Hill. So I do feel like he is like a mishmash of like every great romance hero yeah. and every great like romantic comedy movie hero. That but also <laughs> the very exciting piece for me here. Listen, we're, I'm setting aside the part where this is about a fresh start because – it is, and we'll get there. But um, he's also an alpha submissive, and which, of course, is the immediate—Adriana recommended this book to me, and I was like, obviously, this is for me, for Sarah, forever. Um, so the sex in this book, so he's—they are both bi. Um, the sex in this book is so incredibly hot. It is not—it is not, like— BDSME, like there's no club scene, none of that. It's just like the heroine on the field. He is in charge. He is the captain. He is calling the pitches. She learns through over the course of the book, like to like she's it starts to become like they are seamless together. They are this like tremendous force when they are both on the field together. Um, Their like chemistry is like their baseball chemistry is impossible to deny. But then when they like, 
are off the field. He likes to be controlled and she likes having control. And it is so hot. And just, it's just a tremendously well done book. In fact, and I've said this uh, now to both Jenna and Adriana, so I will say it to all of you, like the sex in this book is so like, it's such a celebration of like bi-ness in a lot of ways because it's not about penetrative sex. It's about just like they're banging all the time and like sometimes, and it's just like so that they feel good. Like sometimes there's P and V and sometimes there isn't and it's all cool and it all feels super sexy and like, um, like it's coming to completion where like in a lot of MF books, it feels like, well... Everything is just a, a stopgap measure until you get to PNV. Like, that is not what's happening here. It feels really, like, modern and crisp. And, like, it it just feels like a romance novel for 2024 in a lot of ways. But what I want to say about starting over is here is a heroine who is so—she has, she has this, like, opportunity to have this beginning. And she can see that she is on this, like, precipice of, like— arguably one of the biggest beginnings ever in the sense that like she could become a major league baseball player like for a career like she could be a big celebrity athlete but she has to believe in herself and like her ability to believe in herself is tested from the jump and he is so critical to her seeing her like what not what she could be but what she already is and that, for me, is the real money of a romance novel. Yeah, and it's, like, very clear. I mean, like, the whole opening scene is they beat when they're playing, uh, like, on the all-star team together. And she knows that she doesn't really deserve to be an all-star. It's, like, a gimmick, but, like, everyone loves her. Because, you know, like, the fans love her because she's, like, the first female pitcher, right? And so, and he, you know, she's, like, shaking him off and really in her head. And he is, like, you have to trust me. I know you and I know what you're capable of and you have to know me and what I'm capable of. And it's my job to actually sort of like get you there. Like, Mm -hmm. right. Like that whole like mentoring of the pitcher um, kind of plot line from Bull Durham, the movie, like it's a really big part of it. And it's also really clear, like you were sort of mentioning, like she needed that new start and he wasn't sure why she was so like, why she didn't have any confidence. And then he like realizes when he starts like kind of tutoring her, right? That her previous pitcher or her previous, yeah, her previous catcher and was was not doing the job of mentoring her, right? That her No, her prior team had been really shitty to her. And her prior coaches had sort of been like, well, you're a girl, so just do as best as you can. Well, the part that's also really interesting though, and I think it's a I mean you Offline, we talked about, like, there's some really interesting choices that are made by the author here, and none of that is on page. Like, it's left to us to kind of figure out um, because, like, she, you know, it's like they meet and then, like, sort of the, you know, there's, like, a delay, a time delay, and then she shows up in the clubhouse. And so, you know, because it's first-person present, like, we don't we don't experience that because it's and I think it's a smart choice. Like just we see the aftermath. We see the fresh start. Yeah, this is a an early book. I'm I'm a little confused as to whether it's a first book or not. It seems to be the first novel, at least by Kat Geraldo. And what I will say is that um, this is a this is a writer who you can see like gets it like she's she has intuitive understanding of like where to stop a scene like how where to switch pov like and i just i'm very i am i am extremely excited about her voice so uh everybody go read wild pitch i want to talk about um kind of the starting over that comes from desperation mm. um and i have two books that are both honestly, like, older. Um, I don't know that I've talked about one of them. I have mentioned another one, but I maybe could talk more about it today. And one of them is, um, I don't know that I've ever talked about The Chocolate Leaf or the books, those books by Laura Florand. Have you ever oh, yeah. read those? Yeah. Like, she, 
really writes a great romance, everybody. And Does she still write? I don't think so. And I think maybe that's why. Like, you know how it is, right? Like, a couple years out of the— And people don't— know these names or haven't heard these these of these books. And, you know, this book, The Chocolate Thief, is from probably 10 years ago is my guess. Let me look. 2011. Um, but they are terrific romances. And in The Chocolate Thief, um, Kate is our heroine. She works for, like, her family is essentially like the Hershey family. Her last name's Corey. And the whole mm. thing is like they own Corey bars and right, like, and it's like clearly like the Hershey family. And she though, but she what she really loves is like the best chocolate in the world, even though her family is known for like the cheapest chocolate in the world, right? Mm-hmm. And so she goes off to France because she has this amazing idea of essentially like convincing the best, like, French chocolatiers to, like, come and do, like, a partnership with her company. And she thinks that they are going to be like, oh, my God, amazing. Like, I will be able to do whatever because of this (sighs) huge thing. And they're like, I would not be caught dead with my name on a quarry bar. I mean, they are just, it is like, so his name's Sylvan Marquis. And so she is just like, it's really fascinating because, To me, it's like the fresh start of this is she is stuck in the family business. She loves the family business but has big dreams about how she can make her stamp on it. She's going to go to another country, right? Like it's all this thing where she has all of this like sort of ideals Mm -hmm. about how she can potentially like jumpstart a future for herself in this company that feels like hers instead of just what is inherited. Mm -hmm. And instead, she's just, like, sort of laughed at at every turn. Um, It's a great series. The whole There's a whole series about, like, these, like, women in Paris and these chocolatiers and stuff, and it's totally great. But that one in particular, I and it was one of those books where, I mean, I've read it before, and I picked it up again. And I was like, I'm going to kind of like read and make sure this is what I remember. And I fell right back into it. Like, mm-hmm. she is a great, great author. So I know it's old, but it's like if you haven't read it and you just love a like really well-constructed, beautifully written kind of perfect conflict type of contemporary romance, you would love this book. I like that. Yeah, I have one more that's kind of hardcore, but it's, like, kind of my favorite. Like, talk about backed into a corner. Um, it's the Everything I Left Unsaid duology by Molly O'Keefe. Your fave. It is my fave, and I know I've, like, mentioned it before. And I think one of the things that's really interesting is, like, talking about, like, cliffhangers, right? Because I'm not a huge fan of them, as we all know. And this is a book that ends on a cliffhanger, but... It's also really fascinating because of the structure of it. Mm -hmm. So in the first book, um, and it's also a book I resisted reading for a long time because it felt like a gimmick. Like some plots feel like gimmicks, right? And here's the gimmick, right? Like the um, in the the first book, we have, gosh, what's her name? I'm sorry. I'm like the worst. Um, I don't know because it's a first person Sorry. Anyway, so she is on the run from her abusive husband. She lands in this literal trailer park Mm -hmm. um, in, like, like kind of the north. Like, I I assume, like, near Asheville, like, in, like, sort of the foothills of the Appalachians. Mm -hmm. And um, it's this tiny town, and she's just going to, like, find a job at, like, you know, like, whatever, like, a local, like, gas station or convenience store or something. And, like, just basically trying to literally rebuild her life. When... A phone in a drawer rings, and she picks it up, and it turns out that it's Dylan who wants her essentially to, like, watch out for her neighbor. Like, there's an old man who lives a couple trailers down, and Dylan's basically like, all you have to do is, like, kind of watch him and report to me. And the gimmick of the book is, like, they don't even meet. Like, their their only kind of contact with each other is through conversation for a really good part of Mm -hmm. the first book. And I was kind of like, how can you have a romance where they only talk on the phone? (laughs) (laughs) I was wrong. Anyway, um, the thing that's really fascinating about this book as a duology is it makes a lot of really interesting narrative choices that are really purposeful. Mm -hmm. So in the first book, her section is in first person and Dylan's is in third person, Mm. right? Like she's like the primary point of view kind of telling it through my eyes character. 
And then in the second book, it switches. And now Dylan is the first person point of view character and she shifts to third. Hmm. And I think it's really interesting the way it's saying that like they're two stories, right? Which obviously they finally like mean and come in contact with are really like part of the story is hers and part of the story is his in a way that it's not equal. And there's something like really interesting about the way that it's structured. Yeah. Um, so I think that this, these books and this whole series are some of my like favorite I have read and reread them. There's four books. The first two are just about the, like this duology and then the second and third book have like related characters, or the sorry, the third and fourth book have related characters. Um, I have read and reread all the books in the series like many, many times. Yeah. Well, you know, while you were talking about that, I was thinking about the master. Um, yeah. Oh, Cressley calls the master, and then because I was thinking, I I was sort of. I, I forget what it was exactly that connected it, but it is sort of like the on the run. I think it was yeah. on the run, right? right. Like heroin on the run from a bad guy from before, right? Because I also think like there is also heroin on the run from current, from the love interest, right? Like run, posy, run style. But I don't think that's starting over. I think, but the master is really interesting to me because it gets to the point where, so the master is like basically a mafia romance before mafia romance became like a huge thing. And so the heroine is on the run from her abusive husband, same sort of startup, and she is cleaning houses and she is asked, she cleans houses for somebody who um, in Miami, off the grid, like for cash only, for somebody who is a high-end, like, uh, escort. And this woman needs a particular-looking, like, a beautiful-looking person to, like, fill a pinch hit for someone who has the flu or had a root canal or something. Classic Cressley, right? So this heroine is like, mm, I don't know. And then the money's so good that she gets sent to, like, this place. And then she... It's, it's really a... It's a great book. It's very, very fun. She, like, turns up at his hotel room and he's like this cold like just impenetrable hero and she just gives him shit for like the entire night that they're that they're together and then she takes off and he's obsessed with her like no one's ever talked to him this way it's amazing right of course i love it but what i was thinking about here is that so she is on the run from this terrible husband, she's trying really hard. She's going to college. Like, she's trying to get her degree. She is, like, really working hard to restructure her life in a very particular way. Um, and she, and there's this moment, so the master, like, has this fishbowl moment where then it's just the two of them in an apartment for, like, a huge swath of the book. Like, almost, I would say, two-thirds of the book. It's, like, her and Maxim, the hero and heroine together in an apartment. Um, and then she sort of escapes him to go and like take her final exam. There's like this great moment. We did a full episode on this book. So if you do decide to read it and you want a like big analysis, you can go back and listen to that episode. But, um, what I was thinking about is that moment where she takes her final exam and she's so afraid to tell him what she's doing, like that she is in the process of starting over. And so he can't be the hero that, like, there is, in a similar way to the Molly O'Keefe book, like, they're distanced. In the, they're, like, they are forced into a, in this case, emotional distance, right? He cannot be the hero who supports her starting over because he doesn't realize that she is doing that. And then the moment he realizes it, actually, it's... It's an incredible moment because he does he still doesn't realize it, but he's like, I don't care what is happening. I but just I want you to do it well. Yeah. Need you to, yeah. Like I want you to get what you need. Just tell me what you need and I'll make sure that you get it. Like you don't have to tell me everything. And like there is something so powerful about the romance there because it is about unyielding, unflagging support on the part of the hero for the heroine without knowing. Right. Like, just, this is what you need. It's right. like immense trust that is built there. And it, it's a great book. I might go read that right now. That's one you read the end of, I bet a lot. Yeah. And it's a, a book that I read like in a, it has a great ending. 
where, like, I finished it and literally went right back to the beginning and started all over again. Like, how did it all work? I still, I'm sure I said this on the podcast because I read that book at Sophie Jordan's insistence on a red-eye flight coming back from California, and there was a baby crying <laughs> next to me the entire time, and I did not care. Yeah, Because that book like, was... I'm in it, yeah. Perfect. Yeah, I And agree. listen, that is... That is a tall order. That Yeah. I mean, it's just also, I mean, and it's funny, though, because it's perfect. It's my favorite. I know it's not your favorite of that series. It's not my favorite of the series, but listen, it's great. You can hear it. Right. It's but great. It, but that's the part where it's like that Imagine whole. Imagine what my favorite is like. <laughs> but I mean, it's like, what it is, what is it that speaks to you, right? And I think that that's it. I have a, I have a real soft spot for like this whole idea of like, women who are like, I have zero choices left and I'm still going to fucking wiggle out. Right. Mm-hmm. And I, so of course that's my favorite. Of course. Mm-hmm. Right? That's a great trope. I mean, like I said, it's kind of every romance to some extent. Right. But I do think there's something really different and meaningful about the fresh starts that come with agency. Right. With determining that something has to change. Yeah. The, the, the proactivity of fresh start is what I'm, I'm interested in. And I don't just mean that. I want to reiterate, I don't mean that at the beginning of the book, right? Like, I, I, yes, of course, I love a heroine who from the jump line one of the book is like, we got to get the fuck out of whatever we're in. But I am also, I find heroines that, that like come to that proactivity really endearing too. And it, and relatable. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I think we did the job. I think we did too. Happy New Year, everybody. Happy New Year, everyone. We hope that you are fresh starting if that's what you need. Um, I'm Sarah McLean. Uh, I'm here with my friend, Jen Prokop. We are Faded Mates. You can find us online at fadedmates.net where you can read show notes for all of these books. Um, It feels obvious, but like if you go to show notes, you'll see uh, covers and of every book we talk about, everything will be listed. Um, so you can just click and go. Um, you can find us on Instagram at Fade of Mates Pod, on Twitter at Fade of Mates, on Blue Sky and Threads and other places. Sometimes we're, you know, we're trying, still trying to figure it all out just like everyone else. Um, if you really enjoy us and you want to spend some more time with us, you can join our, our uh, Patreon, patreon.com slash Faded Mates. Um, and then you get to join the Discord where it is just a, in constant motion over there. You can find somebody who loves every book, who can identify any book, who will recommend any book, and then also talk about all sorts of other stuff. Um and what else? Tell us your favorite books about starting over, or maybe you're starting over yourself and just need to read for a while. We support you. Happy New Year. <laughs>